Welcome to the Property Magic Podcast. My name is Simon Zucci, and in this podcast, I'm going to deep dive into the property investing strategies and investor mindset for my book, Property Magic. I will also share real estate investing hints, tips, and tricks, which I normally only share on my Property Mastermind Mentorship. Hello and welcome to episode number 44 of the Property Magic Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to share with you details of my personal property journey over the last 25 years, and in particular, the eight lessons that I would share with my younger self if I was just starting to invest. And also, I'm going to share with you the biggest regret that I've got from those 25 years of investing. So let me start by telling you about my property journey and the different phases which I've been through. And I'm sure you'll relate with some of these depending where you are on your journey. Now, as I'm sure you know, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, I purchased my first property in August 1995, 25 years ago. I really did not know what I was doing. I just wanted somewhere to live. I'd just secured a job at Cadbury's as a graduate trainee, and I like living with other people, so I got a house big enough for me to live in and rent out a couple of the rooms as I had been living for the last number of years. And it was great. I love having my own home. It had a really fantastic feeling about being a property owner. And I was busy with my job. I had um, a part-time business running student nightclubs in, in Birmingham. And what that meant was I was able to save up enough deposit to buy a second property in 1998. And I moved into the second property. I retained the first property, which became a student HMO. And it was at this point in 1998, I realized just how powerful property investing can be because I realized that I was getting paid every single month from this property. And I didn't have to do any work. And that was a a pretty powerful thought, right? And so I went on, I did a normal buy to let, I did a property flip and so on. And I got to the point in 2001 where I decided to leave my corporate job. Now, I really liked my job. I liked the people. I liked the product. The only problem was I didn't like getting up early in the morning and I didn't like the fact that I couldn't go on as many holidays as I wanted to go on. So I hadn't fully replaced my income at that point, but I had enough for me to say, you know what, I'm going to go it alone. And, you know, up to that point, I had literally learned the hard way because none of my family had ever invested. None of my friends invested. So I'd done all right, but I was conscious I'd made loads of mistakes. And then in 2002, a leaflet came through my door advertising a free property seminar saying you could become a property millionaire. Now, I'd already replaced my income. I knew how good property was. And my attitude is always to have an open mind about things. I thought, well, if I go along, I'm sure I'm going to learn something. So I turned up to this free event. And sure enough, I knew some of the things they were talking about. But they also talk about things that I just never even thought about. And so I decided that actually I'm going to go on this property course. It was a three-day course. It was several thousand pounds down in London. And, you know, it was fantastic. I got really motivated. I learned some things I just didn't know before. And I came off full of energy. But what I noticed was the effect of that course, all the momentum kind of wore off pretty quickly. And I realized it was just me on my own again. So that's why in 2003, I set up the Property Investors Network. 
Now, I'd been previously attending business breakfast networking meetings for a number of years, and they were great because I met everyone I needed for my property business. I met a great accountant, a solicitor, mortgage broker, printer, everything I needed. But the problem was none of those people actually invested in property. And I wanted to get a community, a group of people who I could learn from and I could help so we could help each other become more successful. And that's why I set up PIN because there was nothing back in 2003. Now, looking back on those first 10 years of property investing, if I'm totally honest, I was kind of just dabbling. It was more like a hobby than a business. And to be honest, that was a mistake. But in 2005, I really stepped up a gear. You see, I looked back at my portfolio and I realized that that first property I'd bought that I turned into a student HMO in 1998, that was the most profitable deal. And actually it was the least work. So I decided, right, I'm gonna get some more HMOs. And I typically bought three bedroom houses and converted them into five bed HMOs. And I did a number of those. And I realized just how important cash flow was. And that was a really quite a, a great move to make because I made a lot more money for my HMOs than I was for my single let properties. At that time, I also purchased some new off-plan properties uh, and also from end of site from developers. Now at the time, you could get an 85% loan to value mortgage. And if you worked with the right builders, you could get a 15% gifted deposit. What that meant was it was no money down. And so I purchased three houses and three apartments that way. And you know, within hindsight, uh, I would say that the lesson from that was that I don't really like doing apartments. Um, now, although apartments are very popular with tenants, especially if they're brand new, I have found over the years that apartments don't really appreciate as much in value as houses do. Now, obviously there's an exception in London where pretty much most things are apartments, but the rest of the country where I was typically investing, um, I found that I've had much better growth with my houses. And the other thing about apartments is normally they're leasehold, which means you've got to pay ground rent and service charges to the freeholder. Now, first of all, that eats into your cash flow every single month. And the other thing is you've got very little say in what the freeholder actually does in terms of looking after the building. And I had a couple of apartments I've now sold where they were really looking very tired in the communal areas because the freeholders just weren't looking after them. So that was a big learning from that time for me. And then in 2007, Six, I had another massive step change when I learned all about motivated sellers. Now, this all came through people I met via networking. And I can't tell you just how valuable networking is as a way to learn from other people who've done what you want to do. You don't have to work it all out for yourself. Um, you can find other people who've done what you want to achieve. Now, remember, by that time, I'd been investing for 11 years. I'd left my job. I thought I was pretty successful. But one of my favorite sayings that I want to remind you of is that you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. So after 11 years of investing, I learned all about motivated sellers. And this happened, first of all, from a guy called Dave. Uh, now he was from Leeds. He'd come all the way down to Birmingham to come to my Birmingham pin meeting. And I was chatting to him in the bar. And it turns out that he was buying about one property a month in the County Durham area at about 30% 
below market value. And I thought, Dave, what, what's wrong with these properties? They know nothing, they're just motivated sellers. So he kind of taught me about motivated sellers. Then about two months later at a separate PIN meeting, again in London, I met Doug. And Doug was a mortgage broker who actually I'd known for a little bit of time. And I mentioned this to him and he said, oh, Simon, if you buy from a motivated seller and you buy enough of a discount, there's a way of financing it with no money down. We could do a same day remortgage with Mortgage Express. And once I understood that, I thought, this is just, this is property magic. You can buy property with none of your own money. And in fact, you kind of sometimes walk out with cash in your pocket, having just acquired a property. And then at another event, I met Tony again a few months later. And Tony was someone who was advertising nationally to find motivated sellers. He was only really interested in deals that were in London or within the M25. And he was looking for people like me who are outside of London to pass deals to. And I pulled all the bits of the jigsaw together and I started buying lots of property below market value, which meant I could do it no money down between 2006 and into 2009. And particularly when the market crashed, it was actually a brilliant time to be buying property. Now, a mistake that I had made with some of those properties, they were scattered around the country. Um, and because there were no money down deals and sometimes I got paid to buy them, I was kind of focusing on that. And to be perfectly honest, I didn't do enough research. Some of the properties I bought were in areas that probably weren't the best areas. And if I was buying for cash, I certainly would have been, wouldn't have been buying those properties. So what this actually led me to do was when I sat down in 2007, the end of that year, to first write Property Magic, I wanted to come up with some guidelines that I could use to really help people to avoid some of the expensive mistakes that I had made. And I saw many other people making as well. So this is why I came up with the five golden rules. Now, if you've read Property Magic or you've listened to the audio version, hopefully you're going to remember these. Now, if not, then I highly recommend you go and read or listen again, because these are very simple rules, but they're very, very powerful. Um, and actually, you can listen to episode number five of this podcast, which is all about the five golden rules. But just very quickly, let me remind you here what they are. So golden rule number one is we always buy from motivated sellers, people for whom the speed and certainty might be more important than the amount of money they get. And number two is we buy in an area with strong rental demand. We wanna make sure if the current tenants move out, we can quickly and easily rent this property out. Rule number three is we always buy for positive cash flow. What that means is when you take the rent and take off all the costs that you have to pay as a landlord, at the end of the month, there must be some cash profit for you. Otherwise, don't buy that property. Golden rule number four, we're investing for the long term. Although we can make money short term, actually holding the long term is where you create the real wealth. And I've really seen that over the last 25 years where I've seen properties double and double again and almost double again within that time period. And then rule number five is you have to have a cash buffer, some money put aside to cover those unexpected expenses. Now, if you really get to understand and apply these golden rules to your investing, I promise you, you'll minimize the risks and you'll maximize the returns.
So this kind of brings us up to about 2010. You know, we're just coming out of the, the last crash. Um, and again, I stepped up my investing to the next level and I started to do larger commercial to residential conversions and developments. Um, it was mainly care homes. I, I did three of those that converted into flats. Um, I did a community center that was converted into 20 flats. And I did a couple of houses that were made into flats and also a pub that was converted into an 11 bed guest house. Now development is very different from normal investing. There's a lot more involved. Um, normal investing can create cash flow for you. I found development really swallows your cash until you obviously sell or refinance those properties. And I've got a couple of lessons that kind of spring to mind that might be useful for you. The first one is it's really important to get the right team around you and don't be afraid of paying to get the right experts. A great example of that is planning consultants. Um, I had some JV partners who didn't want to pay planning consultants. They said, oh, the architects can do the deals. I could get the planning. And in two circumstances, the architects kind of messed it up and that wasted months and months of time, which obviously cost us money because we were fin financing these projects with private funds. Um, so get the right team around you. Don't be afraid to pay. And obviously, if you have a good project, you should more than be able to cover the costs within that project. Um, make sure your joint venture partners are fit for purpose. So if they're supposed to be project managing something for you, make sure they're able to do that. If they're supposed to be bringing in the money, make sure they're not gonna run out of money. It's really important to make sure they can do what their job's supposed to do. And then finally, um, keep on top of all of the people you're working with, uh, set up some sort of weekly reporting. Don't let them just get on with it. That's a mistake I've made. I've had some very capable people I've worked with. I've let them get on with it. I've focused on doing what I want to do, which is my training and education. That's what I'm passionate about. And I've not kept a close enough eye on the project and things have gone awry. And, you know, it's my fault for not keeping an eye on it. But that's a big mistake I've made. So I've done a lot of things over the last 25 years. Uh, I've made lots of mistakes. I've done pretty well. Uh, I've had lots of fun and I've had my share of stressful moments as well. But you know what? My biggest regret is treating this like a hobby and not a business. You know, at first I was very busy with my graduate job and my part-time business. And then when I left work, I was fairly comfortable. So I probably didn't do as much investing as I as I probably could. And you know, what I know now, um, I would recommend you just to get on with it. Really focus, work smart, and then you can enjoy the benefits for the rest of your life doing whatever you want. So if I could go back in a DeLorean time machine, 25 years, and give my younger self at 23, when I was just starting to invest some advice, I've got eight lessons I would share with myself. So I thought they might be useful for you. So lesson number one is don't buy apartments, buy houses instead. And that's just because I've seen much, much better capital growth from the houses I've got and not so good from the apartments. Step number two or lesson number two is always do your due diligence and make sure you follow the five golden rules. Number three, learn from other people instead of trying to figure it out yourself. That's a much smarter thing to do. Number four is get really good at finding deals. Finding great deals is the best thing you can learn as a property investor. Sometimes people think, oh, I need to get the money. Trust me, when you find really good deals, there's plenty of money out there. It's finding the deals is the most important thing. 
Lesson number five is network, network, network. Build your personal contacts, learn from other people. I not didn't used to like networking, but honestly, I can't recommend it enough. Number six, treat this like a business and not a hobby. Number seven, pick your JV partners very carefully. Make sure they're fit for purpose and have regular update meetings with them. And number eight is get on with this now. Don't delay. This is the very best use of your time and you'll be rewarded forever for the effort you put in now. So those are the eight lessons that I would give my younger self and I hope they've been really valuable for you. Now, one action you can take right now is why don't you go and check out where your local property investor network meeting is. They're all virtual at the moment, which is great news because it means there's no traveling time and no traveling costs. And it's particularly useful if you're investing outside of where you live. You can visit a virtual meeting very easily and connect to local people on the ground. So if you go to the PIN meeting website, www.pinmeeting.co.uk. You can see where all the meetings are. And also, um, I believe that they're, they're pretty massive value. You get great content. You get the ability to network all just for £20. But if you've never been to a PIN meeting before, you can use a special voucher code, which means you bypass the payment page and save £20. And I like to give that to you as my guest just for coming and trying your first PIN meeting. So the voucher code you need is podcast, all one word podcast. The details of this are in the show notes for you. So finally, as I'd always ask, if you've got great value from this and you haven't given me a five-star review, I'd really appreciate it if you can give me a five-star review, say what you like about the podcast, and that will help other people find the podcast and hopefully also benefit from the information I'm giving away completely free every Tuesday. So until next time, remember to always invest with knowledge, invest with skill. Thanks for listening to the Property Magic Podcast. To get this week's show notes, please visit www.propertymagicbook.co.uk forward slash podcast. You can contact me via LinkedIn. You can follow me on social media. And I highly recommend you subscribe to my YouTube channel to watch loads of valuable property trading for free. All of the details are available in the show notes. Until next time, invest with knowledge, invest with skill.